Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky, and joining me this week, once again, Patrick Cushman down in SIU, the pride of South Illinois. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm doing well today, Mitchell. I'm doing well. It's a nice day, and I'm ready to talk about some sports. I'm sure the sting of the the Packers' loss has it worn off yet, uh, or is it still? You it still will never wear off, Mitchell. It will never wear off completely, but it has dwindled. But at certain times in the day, I get flashbacks of just moments of that game, and I uh, it gets sad a little bit. So, but it's gotten better. Now, before we jump into the rest of the news this week, now there were some rumblings that uh, the Rams were inquiring about Aaron Rodgers' availability. Was there ever any doubt in your mind that he, he's going to be back next season? Because I think the Packers have made it pretty clear they're, gonna, they're running it back uh, again with him next year. But uh, were you ever concerned? Did you ever think that was a possibility they deal him? Or No, I didn't. And I think a lot of the national media took what he said um, and ran with it after the game. And you have to realize he just lost an NFC championship game. He's going to be a little upset and maybe say things in the heat of the moment. Um, and they took what they what Aaron gave them, and they ran with it. And that led to all a bunch of rumors, and, oh, he's not going to be back next year, and he wants out, he wants revenge. And really a lot of that I don't think is true. Um, but I was never worried about the Packers moving on from him. I mean, there's real no reason to, so... Now, there was a couple NFC uh, North team. Well, not a couple. There was one NFC North team. They finally moved on for their quarterback. The big, it was kind of a, uh, uh, instead of a woes bomb, we got a shefty strike, I guess you call it, on a Saturday night. Uh, came as kind of a shock. The Los Angeles Rams sent Jared Goff, and I believe it was two first-round picks and two third-round picks to the Lions in exchange for Matthew Stafford. Uh, Rams are still paying. They got $22 million in dead money on that contract, too. So it seems like a lot. Um, I think, I'll, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you my thoughts on this first. A lot of people were really critical of the deal. Uh, and I think, I'll be honest, I think this, was, this is a case where two things can be true. I think this was a great deal for both teams. If you look at it from the Rams' perspective, I thought they had a great roster this year. Like, if you go down that roster, you tell me what what's the one spot where you're like, hey, there's a weakness there. There really is none. The only thing holding him back was their quarterback play in the playoffs. And mind you, Jared Goff was dealing with the thumb injury, but you could see Sean McVay throughout the year. He was getting a little frustrated. Like, Jared Goff was limited. We saw it in the Super Bowl when they were playing New England. We saw it in the playoffs this year. There's a couple games where, like, they probably could have won, and if everything's not perfect for Jared Goff, they're not winning that game. So you have a roster. You have a top-five defense. You have a ton of offensive weapons. An innovative head coach. And the only thing holding you back is a quarterback. It's like, yeah, screw the future. We're trying to win now. Let's roll the dice with Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford, as much criticism as he's gotten, I think he was an underrated quarterback this year. If you look at what he was dealing with, he had a boob as a head coach at Matt Patricia. Defensive-minded. He's never had a great defense. The one year he had a top-10 defense, he won 11 games. So now you give him these weapons with a good defense and a head coach that's going to be catering to him more, I think it's going to set him up for success. He's going to finally be able to show people what he can do, and he's not just a stat patter. I think he truly is a really good quarterback. And if he can't win in L.A., then that's an indictment on him. Then, you know, if he if he cannot win at least two playoff games here, 
or they're not legit Super Bowl contenders, then yeah, then all of a sudden I'm going to start questioning Matthew Stafford's career. But I, I think he's a good quarterback that's been in a bad situation. He's got a great offensive line now. They have a running game. They don't need those draft picks. I think that's a good move for them. On the Lions, on the flip side, uh, you know, they weren't winning anything right now either. You're getting some future picks, which is nice. You have a serviceable quarterback in Jared Goff. Maybe you can build something there. Like, there's a reason the Rams invested all that they did for him. Uh, there's some talent there. Maybe you can build around him, new head coach. So I think it was a good deal for both teams. I don't know. That, I, that, it got a lot of criticism. I was like, I've, heard, I've been hearing all week. I was like, oh, Matthew Stafford's not that good. You don't give up that much for Matthew Stafford. I, I would. I mean, that's a, that's a clear upgrade. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on the trade? Do you have a specific winner or loser? I think the Rams they did give up a lot, um, two first round picks, and I don't think and I don't think they have any first round picks this year. No, or or um, for the next two years, and they have they're not going to be picking in the first round for a few years in a row now, and that um, does not bode well um, for the future. So they're all in; they are going one hundred percent all in. They've been very aggressive these last few years. Um, taking a lot of big contracts from veterans and they're going to go all in. And this move um, is uh, just another piece of evidence um, to prove that. Um, and like you said, I think Matthew Stafford's very underrated. I think he's a very talented quarterback. Um, he's never really had um, good teams. And like you said, when they, when they had the top 10 defense, I believe that was 2014. Um, and they were 11-5. They went to the final week in Lambeau to contend for a, a, a bye in the first round. They lose that. Then they lose next week in Dallas against the Cowboys after that um, pass interference call. That was very controversial. Probably should have won that game. Um, and so Matthew Stafford, besides that year, has never really had a good team. And he's been in a very toxic organization early in his career. There's a lot of turmoil between offensive coordinators and coaches. It was a carousel. And besides the years with Jim Caldwell, he's never really had that stability. Um, and so I, and from what we've seen from him, he's very talented and he's never gotten to show it off. This is his first real chance to show the NFL that he is elite, that he is very good. Um, and so I'm excited for him. Um, as someone who has to watch him play two times out of the year, um, and you see the talent in him, and you just see what's around him, and you're like, geez, um, that's not very good. And um, he's 30, 32 now, 31. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's finally got his chance um, to, to be on a legitimate team and to make a legitimate playoff push. So I'm excited for him. Um, but for the Lions as well, this is a win for them because let's be honest, they're not going to compete this year. Um, they're not going to compete probably this upcoming year. They're probably not going to compete the year after that. Um, they're just not very good on any side of the ball. Um, they need to they need to back her down and uh, build this thing back up. Um, and it seems like they do that a lot. That's the way the Lions organization is. Um, Matt Patricia probably put them behind a few good years. Um yeah, and so they're going to have to build this thing from the ground, and that's going to take a couple of years. And it doesn't really matter who's playing um, your quarterback, especially if it's someone that's 32 years old. But now you get a young guy. Um, you see what you get in him in these two years, and maybe you're ready to compete in three and four years. And uh, if you think Goff shows you enough in these next coming years, maybe he's your guy going forward. But it wasn't. 
it wasn't going to be beneficial for the Lions or Matthew Stafford to keep him in Detroit. So it is a win on both sides, I agree. It's funny, too, because they, they were talking about how Matthew Stafford, he, he told the Lions, he's like, hey, you can trade me anywhere. Do not trade me to New England. There's a couple of people that were like, oh, they disrespect to Bill Belichick now. And I think that was more, I think that was a clear shot at Matt Patricia, who just got rehired there to show you how little Matthew Stafford thought of him as a head coach um, over there in Detroit. So I thought that was a little interesting nugget. As far as how it affects uh, the division, too. This is the other reason I really love this trade, because Matthew Stafford not playing for the Lions the next two years. I think that's another that's a free two wins for the next upcoming years for the, the Bears, probably the, most likely the Packers, too. Um, I should actually say free two wins for the Packers, most likely the Bears. You never know with them. but um, So I was I was very... I, I Overall, I felt good about the trade. Both sides, I think, got a win, and as far as it affects the Bears, I was happy with it, too. Now, for the future of the NFC North, do you see the Lions, the new head coach, who, you know, jury's still out on him. We'll see what he can do, but now you got some picks to play with. Uh, are you optimistic about the Lions' future? Do you think this is a team that could turn it around within the next two, two, three years or so? Um, You know, that's to be seen. I mean, we really don't know what we're getting with this new head coach. From what it looks like, this guy's a high-energy um, kind, of, kind of guy, a fiery head coach that's going to, you know, um, fire up the troops before a game, but at the end of the day, the Lions do what the Lions do best, and that's draft poorly, and that's yeah. not winning games. And you know what? If it was any other team, I'd say, you know what? They have these draft picks. They have this new firehead coach. They look to be good to go. But it's the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions do not win. And so they will never win. Yeah. And so I don't think that this is going to change anything. Well, especially because those draft picks, you would assume, would be fair. Not really, the two they got from the Rams, assuming the Rams are good, would not be very high. So I think that will be interesting. And I think a lot of this, too, has to do with the Rams have drafted really well these past couple seasons. Like they got all the like I like I said, they got all the pieces they need. They're layers of good players. There. Stafford now has two good tight ends too, and Higby and Everett. So I'm very I'm excited to see what this Rams team can do. I think this is gonna they're they're going to be a legit threat. Um, will be interesting to see what the odds are for for them next year. But that should be a fun team to watch. Uh, other trades are you know we had some other trades I guess. Uh, Let's see. Well, we had a Woj bomb. We had a Shefty strike. I don't know what you call it. We go a uh, uh, Jeff Passing pipe bomb. No, that's not a good term. Well, well anyway, in the in the MLB, we had uh, we had a big trade too. Nolan Arenado, who in my opinion is the second best player in baseball. I I, I am a big Nolan Arenado fan. Uh, he's been anchoring my fantasy teams for years. He gets dealt to the Cardinals, uh, and they'll they the Cardinals receive. Let's see, they got a left-handed pitcher, Austin Gomber, third baseman uh, Mateo Gill, infielders Ulias Montero, and a right-handed pitcher Tony Losey. And Jake Somers, and in exchange for Arenado, and the uh, Rockies are going to be paying for his 2021 salary. Uh, so, Cardinals. Okay, this is no, this is the complete opposite of the Ram trade. This is the, this is one where there is only one team that is a clear winner and a clear loser, and the Rockies are. This is like a loser move here. They they just dealt one of the best. This best play. This is the best player they've ever had in their franchise history. Period. I think he's one of the best players in the MLB. You traded him, and not only did you trade him, I don't think they really got a ton of value for him. I mean, prospects, it's kind of a roll of the dice. But they're paying him to play against them. They're paying a a huge chunk of his salary, which is insane to me. 
And now the Cardinals have, arguably, you have the best third baseman in baseball. You have a top five first baseman. So the corner infields they have is some of the best in the game. That just slingshots them into immediate contenders, I would feel, because they've already been a solid franchise the past couple years, but I think the NL Central is now theirs. Like, that trade was baffling to me. How you could get so little and still be paying the man's salary. Like, they couldn't even get the Cardinals to pay his salary. That's how little leverage they had. And you could hear Arenado throughout the week talking about how excited he is to be with the Cardinals. And I think a lot of that's being on a championship team. But he was taking some subtle digs at the Rockies. If I'm a Rockies fan, I am upset. Uh, and I, I think it was a truly baffling move uh, on their part. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you the floor for this one because I'm kind of at a loss for words of how you could how you can make a trade like that. Uh yeah. And now I know a couple weeks ago you said yeah we always agree on stuff like what fun topic to argue about, but this is not one of the topics that I, I don't even see how you can say that the Rockies are even close to winning this trade or even make, I mean, this isn't even making sense to me. Um, you're paying an all-star player to play against you and you're not getting anything in return, really. And this is an absolute policing by the Cardinals. And it's why one of the Cardinals, despite being in a smaller market, are one of the best organizations in baseball. Mm -hmm. They make lobby moves like this and are always in contention, despite being in a smaller market. They are everything that small market teams like Milwaukee, um, probably teams like Miami, Colorado, want to be. This is the embodiment of small market baseball and how you can be successful. Um. And this NL Central, it was kind of up for grabs. You know, the Cubs are kind of on a low. The Brewers, um, after that NLCS championship, haven't really added and have just declined every year since. Um, so this is now the Cardinals' division to take. Um, the Reds should be good this year. Um, but other than that, I think that the Cardinals now are the front runners for this division. It was a great, savvy move by them. The Rockies now... Um, probably Trevor Story is not going to stay now anymore after seeing this whole debacle. Um, so I really don't know what they're doing. Um, they haven't really been a good team in a long time, uh, probably since they went to the World Series. Um, and that was a long time ago. But um, well, they had yeah. they they had those uh, they had a couple teams that knocked off the Cubs that were decent. I think they made the second round. Cause they had a, like, uh, no, for... they, uh, they played the Brewers. Yeah, they they beat they uh they beat the Cubs in the wild card round and lost to the Brewers and their NL and the NLDS. They got swept. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Um. But like they were. Cl- um, I mean, that, I feel like that was just a lack of getting them any help. Where like, cause they they had some people. You have Nolan Arenado. They had Charlie Blackman. Uh, Trevor Story. That, that that's a pretty solid roster you could build around, and I guess the Rockies just failed to do so. Now, mind you, it's hard to get free agents to come to Colorado, but I I think they they tore they tore that thing down ra- rather quickly uh, for my liking. And the, even look, so I got the 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 trade pulled up here. Just did some of the, who who they got in return. Uh, it, it's like it's it's really it's not it's nothing special. Uh, Montero. The guy they got, Baseball America, he was ranked uh, 14th, so that's not terrible. Losey was 20, 28. Losey and Gill were 26th and 28th in the Cardinals' farm system, in their system, not in baseball overall. Montero, 
Uh, he topped out at Baseball America's 81st ranked prospect, but he reached Double A in 2019, and he was horrible. He, he was not great. Uh, another one, uh, Losey, third round pick. He reached Single A, but he was struggling there. They said he's an he could be an average reliever at best. Uh, Gill, he's son of Benji Gill. Fun fact: he's played mostly rookie ball. Writer uh, wrote on him. Low end to regular upside. So, like, there's no one spectacular you got out. Like, when the White Sox traded Chris Sale, they got a pretty darn guy. Hell, not even Chris Sale. We'll go Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton. He's a slightly above average, maybe average baseball player. And they received one of the best pitching prospects in baseball and then two other highly ranked prospects in the system. Two of the guys, Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito, were in the top 100 uh, in the MLB's prospect rankings in general. And that's for Adam Eaton. You have Nolan Arenado and you can't get any value for that? Like, who is doing business here? <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. I feel like, Pat, you're a shrewd operator, Pat. I feel like if you, got, you were working on the phones, you could get a little bit more than uh, 81st ranked prospect in baseball and a couple other scrubs. And you wouldn't be paying for it. I don't know. Dead. Wipe my this hands. Is, it's just so bad. I mean, it's awful. Yeah. And I have no... I mean, this is like one of those trades you do in the show when you turn uh, um, always accept trades. <laughs> yeah. You turn that feature on and then you trade like your worst player for like an ace. I mean, this is like one of those. I mean, it's awful. Yeah. It's... Well, they're lucky. I, I have no stock in the Cardinals or Rockies either. And like I'm still, I, I I feel the Rockies fans' pain because that that was a disaster. Um, side note here, we'll, we'll go. So we're bouncing around. We'll go with the trade. Well, let me make let me make two more points. Yeah, go for this. it. Go for it. So now in Southern Illinois, we have a lot of people from the St. Louis region. We're about uh, hour forty five, two hours from St. Louis. So there are a lot of Cardinal fans, and they have been ecstatic about this. They are so excited now for baseball season. Um, one of my friends um it was all he could talk about for two days um now he was on a two-day bender and that's all he was talking about and it was very annoying and two (laughs) is colorado the least relevant team in major leagues like if you had to name all 30 mlb teams what what, what's the most likely team you would forget i think it would be the colorado rockies i really do i mean they they really don't have any they don't have like an identity really no but, you know, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I think uh, before, I, but the front runner would probably be San Diego, but now they're exciting and they're a contender, so they're definitely relevant. Yeah, no, I agree. I think for the casual fan, the Rockies would definitely be the last t- team you'd name. Because it's a small market. They have no start. Like, you go on that lineup, there's not a whole lot of recognizable faces. That's, that's going to be... It's a football town, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way their NHL team is playing now, too, I think the Avalanche pass them. But, yeah, no, it definitely is. Definitely a football town uh, over there. Uh, let's talk, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go quickly uh, We'll go quickly on this one. White Sox, we're both White Sox fans, so we get the, little, get the chance to talk some White Sox baseball. Uh, been a little quiet since the, uh, the move for uh, Liam Hendricks, which, I mean, is to be expected. Like, you already have... Uh, the White Sox already have a roster that can contend, as is, they're contending for a World Series. Like, that's a legit, legit contender right now. But there's still a lot of fans that are clamoring for another big move, and I agree we could get some help. Um, one of those was Nelson Cruz, who re-signed with the Twins, so fans are disappointed there. I 
I, I figured no shot that that was going to happen just because they're kind of cheap. The only move they've made was Carlos Rodon. They added him, they re-added him, I guess, a couple months after uh, letting him go, uh, and they got him back for a one-year, one-year, three million dollar deal. So, were you, as a White Sox fan, bringing back Rodon? I had mixed feelings about this. I thought, no one, it's kind of playing it cheap. Yeah, like it was time for Rodon had a quote during the 2019 offseason. It's time to shit or get off the pot. Well, I mean, it was time for him to get off the pot. He hadn't done anything. He was always hurt. He did not produce well last season. They had to move him to the bullpen where he didn't play well. And I think the guy is talented. Like I, a couple of years ago, I was saying this is going to be the next ace of the White Sox. He does have talent, but I think a change of scenery might do him good. So I think bringing him back was kind of like a cheap option for the White Sox. Where, like, what 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 are you going to hoping to get out of him? Are you going to move him to a starter? We already saw what he could do as a starter, and you have guys like Ada or um, uh, Michael Kopech who need a shot, uh, and then Dylan Cease is taking one of those spots. So I don't know. where you going to bump one of them out? Maybe it's a platoon thing, or are you going to put him in the bullpen where we saw one? I don't think he likes pitching out of the bullpen. I know his wife said something about that, and we, he wasn't very good there. So I think that move was a little bit of a head-scratcher. Now there's talks they're interested in uh, Mike fulton uh from the Braves, who formerly a former All-Star. I think that would be an interesting move to make, but I don't know. As far as the Rodon move goes, what were your thoughts? I, I didn't. I was not a huge I'm like, It's not one of those where I'm like, Pounding my head against the wall, like, oh fuck, this is a terrible move. But I just, I don't know. It's kind of like a bleh. I don't know why they. Yeah, did it. it doesn't. It doesn't really. I, the way that I'm looking at it um, is, they might not think Kopech is going to be ready for opening day, and you need a fifth starter on opening day. Um, and so he might start out the year, see what you can get out of him. Maybe he goes until May or June. Wait till Kopech gets back. Um, and if he's good enough, you can ease Kopech back. You can put him in the bullpen and then wait. Um, and maybe platoon swap him. Um, but then, yeah, a- another thing, too, is um, when Kopech is ready, and maybe it's August, September, um, you go into the playoffs, maybe he's a long reliever kind of guy. Yeah. Um, you have a game where the starter really isn't doing too hot, and then you can afford to then pull him in the second or third inning because you have a guy who's able to go um, multiple innings with no problem. Um, kind of like what the Cubs did with um, Travis Wood back up in the day. Yes. Um, where they kind of had him in the bullpen, and if he needed a guy to pitch for five innings, he could. Um, but that's really it. I mean, it's low cost, um, so I don't really mind it. Um, uh, but like you said, it's, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. kind of a thing. I it's mean, my, more administrative than anything. Right. My hope is that Ethan Katz can hopefully, uh, you know, fix. I hopefully fix some of those issues. And now that's asking a lot of Ethan Katz to be like a miracle worker because we're already asking him, "Hey, turn around Ronaldo Lopez and do the same thing you did to Giolito with uh, Dylan C." So I, I realize he's not a miracle worker. But, I mean, maybe that will help Carlos Rodon. Because the talent, there is talent there. Like, he is a talented kid. But, and I know, I also realize, too, it's a lot asking of Kopech to be like, hey, you're going to be the fifth starter. That's a lot of pressure. So you need another guy to kind of help ease him back in because he hasn't thrown uh, a full mate, a season, professional season in two over two years. So uh, you needed another guy. I don't know if Rodon was it. We'll see, though. I, I Fingers crossed. And that, that move's not going to make or break their World Series chances, not re- registering anything on the uh, Richter scale as far as uh, that is concerned. 
Uh, let's see. What? Else? Well, we got here. Okay, here's one thing I want to. I, I, I want to float this by. There's there's talks. Because Deshaun Watson trade obviously is still happening. And the Raiders, there's been a lot of Derek Carr trade talks there. I know the Bears are one of the teams that they said was interested. And I was reading an article yesterday that was saying the, the for the Bears to get Derek Carr, they would need to give up two first-rounders. And I think that's what the Raiders are looking for. They want two first-round draft picks, which they will then in turn take those two first-round picks, package them with two of their own, and try and make an offer for Deshaun Watson. A uh, couple layers to unpack here. Number one, if you are the Bears franchise, would you? So you're, uh, I guess, I'll, we'll, we'll go this way. You're Packers fan. Derek Carr comes to the Bears. You at all concerned? Does this make this team significantly better? All of a sudden, is that because I know they haven't had a franchise quarterback in years? Derek Carr would be a significant upgrade from what they've had. Does that make a contender? Would you do it? And then I guess the second lay, the second part of that question would be, is four first round picks. Too much to give up for uh, Deshaun Watson if you're if you're the Raiders. Um, yeah. So as far as the Bear thing goes with trading for <clears throat> Derek Carr, um, I still I just still think that they have so many holes on that team. Um, obviously, their front seven is phenomenal, one of the best in the league. Um, who knows if. Um, Allen Robinson's going to be back. I don't think he will. No, I don't either. Um, I just think he's have money. Um, they have a decent running game, um, but their offensive line isn't the best. Um, their defensive backfield is nothing to write home about. Um, and so even if they do get a guy like Derek Carr, and let's not like Derek Carr is a good starting quarterback, but he's not elevating anyone on that team like someone like Aaron Rodgers, someone like Patrick Mahomes is. He is just not on that level. Um, he's kind of on the level like Eli Manning was, where he was really good. Um, all Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, but um, where he's a good starting quarterback, but he's really not taking a team um, from an eight and eight to uh, an eleven and five. You know, right? Um, so it does make him better, but does it get him over the top to contender level? I really just don't think so. Um, now, as far as Deshaun Watson goes, um, now if you're the Raiders, you been mired in mediocrity, right? Um, you kind of have to make a. At some point, you're going to have to go all in, right? I mean, you have. I mean, you have a decent team, yeah. Um, but the defense isn't very good. Um, uh, you got to make. But the thing with four first round draft picks, man. I mean, that's tough. I mean, that's four years of. I mean, that's realistically what you're looking at is four starters, right? I mean, when you pick a first round draft pick you expect a starter out of them um so that's four starters um in four years so that's that's tough oh man i really but it's deshaun watson uh, we haven't really seen what he can do outside of houston i just think it's a little too much to be honest yeah i yeah i two first rounders seems like a lot and the, the only reason i'd be okay with the bears doing it is because if you look at their history like they haven't hit a first-round draft pick since, I think, Roquan Smith. Like they've been very bad in the first round, which is a general manager problem, but they've already said they're going to keep him. Ryan Pace is actually picks better in the later rounds. So like the majority of the impactful players we have gotten have been in those sixth, seventh rounds. Like David Montgomery was a third-round pick. Tariq Cohn was a, a late-round pick. Uh, Daryl Mooney, who was very good for us this year, he was in the fifth round. So, uh, you know, they've been decent in the late rounds where I'd be like, all right, you know, maybe we can pick up a couple linemen, linemen if you get Derek Carr. Deshaun Watson, I, 
That one I have mixed feelings about because you're, there's no, there's you're not gonna get another Deshaun Watson. It's it's very tough. But if I'm the if I'm the Texans, I wouldn't even trade him. Like you have him under contract. Oh no, I wouldn't. He's either. not going anywhere. It's not the NBA. It's not like he can force his way out. So he could hold out all he wants. But there's still a lot of years left on that deal. I just start trying to build around him. Let this whole thing blow over and put together a somewhat competitive team because I think it would be foolish to trade him now. Just I know he wants out and it's going to be an ugly situation to start off with, but uh, it's not the NBA. He's got a couple. They can let this thing blow over. He's got a couple years in the deal and they're paying him enough where you know there's no reason for him to hold out and risk losing all that money. That that is my opinion anyway on that. Now, did you like um, their head coaching hire in Houston? Uh, I thought it was a little underwhelming. I mean, it's, you know, well, it's, it's hard to address, assess the head coaching hires when you haven't seen them um, in the position yet. So I'll give them, I'll give them a year to figure it out. I think Eric Bieniemy though, would have been, uh, would have made a lot more sense for uh, the Texans, especially you got a young quarterback like that, very talented, and bieniemy has been working with Patrick Mahomes. So I think that would have made a lot more sense. But you know, well, well, I mean, we'll see. The one head coaching hire, just like listening to all of them, that I was not a huge fan of was the Eagles with the uh, old Colts offensive coordinator. I thought his press conference left a lot to be desired. Uh, Dan Campbell for the Lions too is another guy where it's like, all right, we'll see. I think because you were talking about it, you alluded to it earlier. He's kind of like one of those guys that gets your players fired up. He's a big rah rah guy, like locker room speeches. I think that uh, stick can re. Uh, It'll wear off quickly if they're not winning games, so I don't see that lasting very long either. I, overall, there hasn't been a whole lot of head coaching hires this off this off season where I've been like, yes, this guy I think is going to be a great head coach. I so yeah, there, there's a lot of surprising head coach. I don't think anyone saw um, Sirani in as a head coaching candidate. I yeah, mean, not from what I saw. Nor nor David Coley. Um, I, I I just don't understand. Is there something? There's got to be something wrong with the anemone or however yeah, you say yeah. his name. There's got to be. There's got to be something. Up. You know, can I give you because my theory on this? Yeah, go ahead. I'll let you finish your point, though. I have a theory he, on that. I mean, there's. I mean, he's coached you know one of the best offenses for three years now, and he's not getting you know he's not getting hired. I mean, you would have thought by at this point, and you know you can make the whole case all oh, this. Because the NFL's racist, I don't think I don't think it's because of that. There's got to be something off about the I, guy. Yeah. Whether, whether teams are like, huh, yeah, I don't know. Here's my theory. I think Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy screwed this guy because people are seeing like, oh, it's a, another guy off the Andy Reid tree. We it was supposedly an offensive genius. Like Matt Nagy was calling plays near the end of their Kansas City playoff run uh, before he left the last couple games. So. I think a lot of it, and they see Matt Nagy calling plays, they're like, all right, we see what we're getting from him, and then we see how Doug Peterson, that whole train wreck ended. We know what we're going to get from an Andy Reid guy. Andy Reid's the system. He's just riding his coattails. We're, we're wiping our hand. Like, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. They're like, ah. We're not. I, that's what I think is going on. I think these, these other they, they've seen these other Andy Reid guys, and they're like, yeah, it's Andy Reid that's propping this guy up. So I don't, I don't think that's true, and I don't think that's fair to Eric Bieniemy. But uh, I think that's what I think that's what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I've never thought of it that way. I, I thought it might have been like a personality thing. Like they meet this guy, and he's like, 
just kind of off and every team kind of just gets scared away from it. But there's got to be something because yeah. you'd think that a team, I, I mean, I would have hired him over uh, Coley in Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, but, Houston clearly didn't um, know what they did. Josh McCown is one of their interview candidates who just retired. He was a, he was an emergency quarterback last year. So I, I I don't think they Houston is a mess. Like the dirt runs deep there. They gotta they need a deep clean. So that that it makes sense that they would have a head scratching hire. The Eagles though, I feel like are fairly well run up top. So that head co- and like as far as the personality traits go, what's his name? Um, uh, what's the name of the guy they just got from the Colts? Uh, Sirani. Sirani, yeah. Like, he seemed a little off. To, I mean, it is a press conference. I'm not, like, you know, if you win the press conference, it doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach. But, like, you listen to him talk, and it's like, there seems something a little off about him, too. This is the guy that's going to be standing in front of the locker room uh, telling everyone what to do. He looked like a scared puppy up there. So, I mean. No, I think it was because they – Howie Roseman, he hired someone that was a little bit weaker um, because of the power struggle that he apparently had with Doug Peterson. Yeah. So he might have wanted someone that he could boss around a little bit more and someone that wasn't going to be as abrasive as that relationship with Doug Peterson was. So maybe that was the reason behind it. Um, But we all saw what a bad um, interview or press conference Adam Gase had. Exactly. we saw how that turned out. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's very early to judge. It's tough to judge in a press conference. But you're right. There's a precedent there. The last weird press conference that we were able to get a lot of memes out of didn't turn out too well. Um, speaking of memes, dabble into a little bit of the NBA here. It was <laughs> the first night of Black History Month. The NBA does a great job celebrating that. And you know what a way to ring it in. We had it dust up with a white lady courtside. Uh, her husband apparently. Let's. I'll make sure I get this right. Did you follow this story at all with courtside Karen in um, Atlanta? I saw a little. I saw the John Boy. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you watched the John yes. Boy breakdown. I watched the John Boy breakdown, and that was enough for me. I've seen it in the tabloid. Um, I'm. It, yeah, that's it, really. So it was. Yeah, for those of you who didn't, we'll, we'll give you the brief fill. And there's a lady who was sitting courtside with her husband. And apparently the husband was yelling at LeBron James, heckling him, as fans do. LeBron said something to him, uh, and she got up. She's like, oh, don't talk to my husband like that. Started uh, screaming at him. Uh, They had a little back and forth, and security escorted them out of the building. And then afterwards, she uh, flipped him off, and then she had a, a funny Instagram live rant. Uh, where she was like, oh, fuck you, LeBron. You're going to let a 25-year-old woman boss her on. And the internet immediately was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This woman is not 25 years old. I mean, there's so many elements to this story. Number one, LeBron called the husband old steroid ass, which was funny as it is because the guy was like, he, he did look like he was old. He looked like he was juiced up. The woman was like the stereotypical uh, white lady Karen that you could draw up. Like she had a video before the game talking about her high heels and how she didn't like them because they're uncomfortable. And they're sitting courtside. She's wearing this ridiculous outfit with like sparkled eye. She looked ridiculous. Clearly, there's some work done there too. And she 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 was not 25 years old like she was trying to break off. And then the pri- the entitlement and the privilege that she's like screaming at the like, we pay for these seats. We can yell whatever the hell we want. I thought the whole incident was hilarious. I loved how the internet jumped all over her case too. Um, that's one of the you know and the, that's one of the few great things about Twitter. You know the internet remains undefeated in those things. Uh, 
that that's that's what Twitter was for 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 moments like that. I don't know if you had any side thoughts on it. There's not you know. Um, yeah, people are uh, newsflash. People are dumb. Um, you know, and like you said, it was just a stereotypical person who's dating someone like thirty years older than them. Um, I thought LeBron. I thought he was pretty funny about the whole thing. Um. And and he got him kicked out. Um, so that was that. I didn't really pay too much attention to it. Um, uh, but yeah, I thought LeBron was really funny about it. I think he's got a better personality than what people think. I agree. Yeah, he he is. He was pretty funny, but it's because he's he's hated so much because of this goat conversation or whatever. Which, by the way, has gotten so old. I mean, it's like every day. It's like oh, blah blah blah. This blah blah blah. That Jordan versus LeBron. It's a whole thing. But I think he's got a better, and I think he gets kind of lost in that. But I think he's got a better personality um, than what people realize. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think. Well, it's funny too because I think that's exactly what that woman wanted. Because like when you get kicked, she got all the attention she wanted. So she she came mm-hmm. out happy from that situation too. With it, well, anyway, you draw it up. I agree. I thought and he his I thought his post game reactions were pretty funny, and then he uh, responded to the Instagram live. Uh, thing saying courtside Karen's mad mad so that's kind of how that whole uh, situation develops so I thought you know I got I got a kick out of that we'll go all right we'll wrap it up here obviously the big news of this week which we've been kind of burying the lead uh Super Bowl this Sunday great matchup Tom Brady Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game part two the first one with New England Kansas City all time that was a classic uh, came down to the wire. Uh, New England just got one extra possession, and Tom Brady won. So now the two teams will meet again. This time, Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. So there's that whole narrative. Much more weapons than he had the last time. What are you looking for in this matchup? We'll get into predictions in a little bit, but like, what do you think? So you have to go keys to the game for each of these teams. What would it be? And I'll go. I'll give you mine. I think for uh, Tampa Bay. You got to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. You got to make him feel uncomfortable. I think their front is pretty darn good. You have Shaq Barrett, Nadama Kinsu, Jason Pierre-Paul. You got to get pressure on him. Make him uncomfortable like they did Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and then for for the Chiefs, uh, it's oh, let's see how their secondary holds up against the weapons that uh, Tom Brady and all of them have. So that would be my two things. What are you What are you looking for in this matchup? Yeah, I really, um, to be quite honest, have not paid attention to football. I probably won't be watching the game on Sunday. Um, but like you said, I think um, I think you got to slow down Patrick Mahomes. Um, you can't go down early, um, and you got to limit big plays. You know, you can't give up. Um, you know, uh, two home run plays to Tyree Kill over the top, or um, all those deep weapons that the Chiefs have. Um, and if you're Kansas City. Um, you just gotta you gotta score fast. I guess it's the complete opposite. You want to score fast. You want to get out to an early lead. And um, Tampa Bay really, um, they looked good at the end of the year. Um, then they beat a team in Washington who you know really shouldn't have been in the playoffs. They beat the Saints, and the Saints couldn't throw over 15 yards um, over the top with Drew Brees. And then they played a Packers team in which they didn't look like the best team. So. Um, as far as the Bucks go, I really they like you said they just got to get pressure and not give up home run plays and maybe kind of squeak out a win, kind of duel out a win like they did last week um, against Green Bay. 
Um, but other than that, I just I really just don't see Tampa Bay um, eye to eye matching up with Kansas City. We just got this from Ken Rosenfall. Three eight free agent second baseman Colton Wong in agreement with the Brewers on a two year eighteen million dollar contract. So. And uh, NL Central shaking up a little bit there uh, with the move of Colton Wong. I know you, Brewer. You got some uh, friends in that that neck of the woods up there in Milwaukee. Uh, you think that's? Uh, what do you think, Colton Wong going to the Brewers? Any initial thoughts on that? Uh, it doesn't really do anything for them. I, I really don't think they are um, that good of a baseball team. They've just lost. They've lost so many pieces since that 2017 team. Um, or, uh, not 2017, geez, 2018 team um, that made the NLCS. I mean, they lost Moustakas, they lost Grandal. Um, they don't really have any starting pitching still. Uh, I mean, they might be able to scratch out 500, maybe. It depends how good Yelich is. Yeah. I mean, Yelich kind of makes the whole lineup. Ryan Braun's like 37 now. He's not going to be really anything special. Um Again, this is, I mean, I mean, the Brewers, they really get every, you know, 15 years, they get one good shot at it, and then they kind of have to tear it down, and then they make small little Band-Aid moves like this that doesn't really do anything except hover them around mediocrity. Um, so, typical Brewers move, I would say. Uh, yeah, I apologize for breaking up the flow there. Just kind of breaking... Little bit of a breaking news. So back to the Super Bowl. Uh, so you you watched that game last weekend first, and I'm assuming. So let me. Well, before before we get too far down in there, you say you haven't been. You're not gonna. You probably not watching the game. Is this because the? Why why are you not gonna watch the game? You still upset about the? Is it the Packers related or? Uh... Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I after last week being at the game and and last. So after the 2014 loss, I was really mad about how it went down. Um, the other games, you know, we probably weren't the we weren't the better team out there. I understand why we lost. I wasn't too upset. I mean, I'm still I was still upset that they lost. But um, this last week, I mean, that was one of, that was probably the most depressing loss that I have ever gone through as a Packers fan. Um, through all the NFC Championship games, through all the playoff shortcomings, that is probably the most depressed I felt after a game, knowing that we were the better team um, and just losing situationally um, and just traveling. I mean, I traveled um, like nine hours just to get to Green Bay and nine hours back, um, all just for them to fall short, even though they are the better team. Um, Packers are the team that deserves to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I really do think that we are the best team in the NFC. And so I'm just not going to watch it. Um, I'm going to probably have a few beers and just kind of hang out with friends. Hey, the waste um, management open is this weekend, so you you, you have something to watch there. Uh, there's <laughs> never a shortage of content. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, just a very. It's just going to remind me of a lot of of why the Packers should be in it, and it's going to give me a lot of flashbacks from the game last weekend. Well, I hate to. Oh, did we get cut off there. Uh oh. Well, I think we got cut off on the audio, and we'll we'll see if we can uh, get. Please that. leave your message for. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hold on, folks. Some technical difficulties. Let's see if we can get him back on the line here. Sorry, I I don't hey. know what happened. Cut off in the middle there. But um, so go ahead. 
Yeah, so um, probably going to bring back a lot of bad memories, so I'm just going to sit this one out. Um, I do think that the Chiefs are going to win, by the way. Um, but if the Tampa Bay Bucks do win, I will start listening to conspiracy theories about how the NFL is rigged. I will say that. <laughs> really? Okay. All right, we got, we, got, we got a little rabbit hole here. Rigged? Tom Brady rigged, or how, how so? Because, yeah, I, I want to I wanna hear this. How, how is it rigged? Well, I have heard a lot of rumors and a lot of stories, and I know I never believe them. I'm I, now outside of sports. I'm a big conspiracy theorist guy, um, and you know about this a little bit, Mitchell. Yes, yes. Um, but in sports, like people are always saying, "Oh, like it's rigged, like it's fixed." Now, I do think that the NF, the NHL did rig the expansion draft for the Vegas Knights. That's a whole nother story, um, but. I never believe that the NFL is rigged, but if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, I will be, I will start listening to conspiracy. I will start looking into conspiracy theorists. And I've seen rumblings on Facebook about how it's rigged, but I never paid any attention. But I will start paying attention if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. Well, I coupled I will I, here's why I would prevent you from doing that. One, there's been plenty of rumblings on Facebook about things being rigged and then look what that got us. Uh so I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, dig too deep into the, the the Facebook rumors. There. Second, this is the same NFL that suspended Tom Brady four games for that Deflategate thing. When there was quite frankly, there was very little evidence on there. I think he kind of got a bogus suspension. I was glad it happened at the time because I hated Tom Brady in New England. But like, if we're being honest with ourselves, that Tom Brady kind of got screwed on that. Um, so I I don't know about rigged. I mean. I think just uh, capitalize on one of the three interceptions in the second half, and you wouldn't have to worry about it being rigged. I think Tom Brady tried to hand him the game in the second half. Packers didn't want to do anything with it, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. Now I hate to keep pouring salt in the wound and bringing up last week's loss, but with the Packers, I think we both agree better roster on paper. And you, Patrick, Patrick Holmes, obviously a generational quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is as close as it gets uh, to a Patrick Mahomes, I think. Talent-wise, arm strength, he got the mobility, whatnot. Uh, a little bit more experience with Patrick Mahomes, too. So what do you think the Buccaneers did well against Aaron Rodgers that kind of helped slow him down in that game that you saw that you would translate, I guess, over with Patrick Mahomes? Um, they put pressure on him, really. And Aaron is not... Um, Aaron, like eight years ago, was like really mobile. I mean, he could he could run around. I mean, he wasn't like Michael Vick, but he would get out of the pocket. He would run for first downs, um, and he doesn't really do that anymore. Um, he's really kind of slowed down. Um, he can still get out of the pocket and make plays, but you know, he's not he's not running the ball as much. He's not leaving the pocket as much. Um, but they put a lot of pressure on him. They he was not comfortable in that pocket um, a lot of times. And um, especially um, in in that second half and those two drives, um, they got pressure on him. And uh, he did not, and even when they didn't, you know, get to him or get the sack, they still made him feel uncomfortable. And that's going to be key um, in kind of slowing down this Chiefs offense. This Chiefs offense is very, is, I wouldn't say dependent, but they do like the home run ball. They do like, you know, the big play. Um, if you can limit that and get good pressure, that's a key to success for them to win. There you go. I'll tell you. So you already you said you're you're picking the Chiefs. Uh, do you have any reason for that, or we just you think? I, I just think. I, I mean, 
realistically, I, I just don't think Tampa Bay, um, like I said before, look at their playoff wins. They really haven't. I mean, they've won games. The only way I can see them winning this game is if they outplay him in situations. Um, and by the way, Byron Leftwich play calling um, um, and his strategy along with Bruce Arians last week against the Packers situationally, especially on third downs, was amazing. Um, I think he should be a head coaching candidate next year. Um, but the only way that the Buccaneers win, because I, I don't think, I think we both agree that the Chiefs are just a better team. Um, no, no, no. I, I disagree on that, actually. No, well, I think the Chiefs are the better team. Um, I think they're more explosive. They're more dynamic. Um, they have the mo- more playmaking ability. And unless the Buccaneers can win situationally like they did last week and out-coach them, out-duel them like they did last week, the Bucks really just don't have a chance to win. I'm taking the Chiefs. Um, and I, I think it's going to be like a 20-point. I think they're going to win by like two scores, too. Really? Scores. All right. So now, all right. So here's – I disagree. I think this is going to be a close game. Uh, I think the Vegas line reflects that. And now, while, yes, Kansas City is the most dynamic, explosive offense in the NFL. The top, they're, they're top, if you go in the top five players playing this game, they got the best player on their team uh, who's going to be on the field Sunday in Patrick Mahomes. But overall roster, I'm taking the Bucks. I think they are deeper defensively. They have just as many weapons offensively. Like, they got some, they got some depth. You go through the whole thing. Running back, Ronald Jones, and I know you don't like Leonard Fournette, but he's been playing pretty well. I still think he's a pretty good running back. He's not the running back he once was, but he's played pretty well these po- this postseason. Yeah, he's had he's two got, touchdowns and two straight games. In the, it's his fourth year in the pros, but he's you know not the running back he once was. <laughs> well, I mean, he was he he got a lot of carries with uh, Jacksonville. Those catch up with you quick. Uh, so I mean, the, the AFC champion or what, the the Jaguars team that's an AFC championship game. It's not that's not the same Leonard Fournette as we're getting now. But I think he's still he's a serviceable above average NFL back. And then you got Ronald Ronald Jones with him. That's that's a good one-two punch. Tight end, Gronk, yes. Does he look like he's running with a piano on his back? Yeah, he's not the same pass catcher, but he's still a viable red zone target, and he doesn't get enough credit. He's a good blocking tight end. Cameron Brait, no, he's been playing very well, too. He scored a touchdown last week. And then wide receiver-wise, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, like, that's... I'll put I'll put them up against any receiving core in the NFL. That is a great receiving core. Their offensive line's been playing well. On the defensive end, I love that White. He flies all around the field. Levante David's been playing good. I think the secondary, who was banged up against Aaron Rodgers and company last week, held their own. So they can get some pressure on Patrick Mahomes. This is a team that can st- I think they stack up well against Kansas City, and I'm taking the Buccaneers to win this one. I mean, it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes in, in a- any playoff game. I get it. He's inevitable, and Andy Reid off a bye. But it's also pretty hard to pick against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl because he's been through them before. I think the New England team that he beat Patrick Mahomes with in the AFC Championship was a lot less talented than the team he has right now. So I will take the Buccaneers in this one. I think they're winning this game. I think if you go through the top 20 players in this game, you will find more players on the Buck side. That's that's just me. Well, Mitchell, that's why we're on the show, and that's the disagree. And this is kind of—I I mean, I think I agree with you on most things, and this is one I'm going to have to disagree with you. Um, 
Uh, I, I mean, if the Buccaneers, I mean, you know what, the Buccaneers could win if they get, you know, another big offense or defensive pass interference called for them again. Um, if that does happen, they might win again. Um, and so, like I said, situationally, they have to be really good. They were really good against Green Bay. Um, and third downs, too. They need to be um, very good on third downs. I think that's one of the most overlooked at stats is third down conversions because those are stats that make and break a game, um, really. So um, third downs, they're going to have to be big. In big situations, they're going to have to play big. Um, and if they let Patrick Mahomes take over this game, it's not going to be good. We shall see. Yeah. Now, if they get down early, then it could be a problem. I, I agree with that. That's going to be tough to come from behind uh, with Patrick Mahomes and all of them. But you talked about Rodgers' lack of mobility. With Patrick Mahomes, he's got the, the bad uh, foot or whatever. So we'll see if that affects him. I would assume not. Probably not. I mean, he looked fine last week. But this is going to be, this is a, by far the best team the Chiefs have had to play this postseason. And if you look at the Bucks' road to the Super Bowl, I mean, they played a great pass rush in Washington. I think that was a that was a pretty solid football team, regardless of the quarterback situation. Then they knocked out a Hall of Famer in Drew Brees, and they limited one of the best receivers in the NFL, Mike Thomas. To I don't think he had a catch that game. He was virtually useless. I, I would out there. argue about it. Mike Thomas had a fluke year where he caught a lot of slants. Other than that, he has not proven to be. A really that good of a talent. Alvin Kamara too in that game. They slowed him down. The defense played well. Yeah, well I mean, yeah, you just stacked. I mean, against New Orleans, like, you know they're not going to throw the ball past 15 yards because Drew Brees can't throw the ball. Well, then he the next week they the go 20 yards. Yes, but then the next week, so I mean, they already knock out a Hall of Famer there. The next week they go to Lambeau Field. Which is probably the toughest playoff environment there was this this postseason. They had fans in there. The weather's kind of cold. Aaron Rodgers, and they limited. I thought they did a great job in that game. I thought the defense played well. So I think this one, it's house money at this point. I, I, I think they have a legit shot. And more than a legit shot, I think they're going to win. I think that's a, you know, if, you, if you're looking to put some money down with that plus 145, that's some great value with Tampa as well. Sorry to get into the uh, my degenerate side of things. But, like, yeah, straight up, though, I think I, think, I like Tampa on this one. I like the Bucks. Now let me now let me ask you this because you watched the Packers game. Was it loud on TV? Could you hear noise? It was yeah. It was louder than I thought. It like it was so, it, honestly it was louder than I, for what they had in there. I was like wow, this is surprisingly a well, lot louder okay, than so I they thought. Gave a, they gave like these cardboard signs that yes. said "Go Pack Go" on them. Yes. People, I don't know if they said this on TV, but people are just slamming the, the hell out of them out on the benches. Yeah. Yeah, those like, the big white ones, right? Them. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's what made all the noise, really. Well, because I think I don't know if they show, I didn't know if they showed it. I don't know how loud it was on TV, um, but it was pretty. I mean, it was like I mean, it still it was not peak Lambo noise, but it still was pretty loud for um, the for amount of fans they allowed in there. Yeah, I think they it was it was yeah. I was I was very impressed. I was like, wow, that. Louder than I thought. I mean, you know, it's no New Orleans dome, and I agree. It's definitely does. It's probably louder in there when they get the full capacity. But I'm sure it has a little bit of an impact. I mean, they 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 were making some noise. Um. So yeah, so we have. I'll, I'll, I'll run this one last, last one by you, just for those free money folks out there that listen to that. Uh, we haven't had any really for the playoffs. We got one for you now. 
this is kind of like a prop bet. There's a lot of prop bets you can do the suit for the Super Bowl. Heads, tails, and the coin toss, how long the national anthem is. As far as the game goes, here's the one I really, really like and I think is great value if you hammer. You have to hammer both of them, but they have two score in the games. Uh, you can get this most most apps they have. I would I like Leonard Fournette to score, and I would also bet Ronald Jones to score because one of those two is going to score. Near the goal line, they run the ball a lot. Probably, but Leonard Fournette has the better odds there. But with both of them, as long as one of those two scores... You will make your money back from the other bet, plus some, and if they both score, you're going to double it. So I think if you want to win some free cash this week, I would hammer both of them to score. You put like $10 on each, you're going to walk away with some. So I think that that would be, if I had a free money lock of the week, that would be it. Uh, anything else to add, Pat, before we, uh, before we wrap um, things now up? About, about this whole gambling thing, and you know I don't gamble at all, but um, I know I saw this on Facebook. I don't know how reliable it is, but it was a you could bet on what the weekend's first song for the halftime show is. And, and now I never watched halftime show. I think they're atrocious. But last year's pretty don't good. They know, don't they already know like what he's gonna be playing and couldn't he like tell people? Like I feel like you shouldn't be able to bet on that. Uh they don't well usually they don't know. I'm sure they have like a general idea, but um yeah, I mean, actually, that is kind of true. I'm sure some people would know inside there where they'd be able to have a little bit of inside info. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. Well, I, the general public doesn't. But if you're working on the halftime show, I get, I'm get. i sure it's in like a contract or something. You probably can't say anything or bet anything on it. That, that That's the only thing I could think of. But uh, Yeah, you know, that's a, I, I never thought of it like that, but that would that is something that would be interesting. That would be an interesting side hustle to do. I'm sure if you got caught though, they'd put the hammer down. Like you're, you're probably you're probably getting a little little heat if they uh, if they were if they were doing that. Um, yeah, well, uh, I I would hope you watch Super Bowl. If not, you can enjoy the waste management open. I'm rooting for Hideki Matsuyaka. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see. Waste management open for you nine golfers out nine golf fans. This is a, it's a fun tournament. They have the 16th hole is built like a stadium. They encourage fans to like heckle the player, like you can like cheer or whatever. Uh, if you want to look up something like cool golf fan or not golf fan, the like waste management open 16th hole. It's pretty sweet. That's what, it's one of the more fun tournaments they put on that will be this weekend. So it's the first time I'm excited to watch a golf tournament. Um, anyway, that's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe uh, to the channel. Uh, uh, we're on um, Twitter, at Dorm Room Dispute. You can catch us on Spotify uh, and Apple Podcasts now. So, Pat, thank you so much for joining us, as always. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your week.